Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to Marvel's The Pullist. I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. Yeah, and we are going to talk about all the new Marvel comics on sale January 9th, 2019. We're going to get into reasons why we loved them, uh, why we're hyped for them, why you should read these books. We'll go through all the digital stuff that's out this week, the collections, all the good stuff to get you prepped and ready to go to the comic shop or to your Marvel Comics app. Do we, do we know when the fir- very first episode one of of uh, Marvel's The Pull List was? It had to, like, I'm thinking it's like a year ago. Yeah, we're, we're, right? we're roughly around the one year mark. Yeah. Uh, also today, co-star of today's episode is Truck Noises. <laughs> Yeah, we're in a conference room over in a corner over here in Marvel HQ, and there may be some truck sounds, which I love Yeah, because my name's Tucker, nickname Tuck, a lot of people call me Tuck, but in high school, I used to drive around my dad's pickup truck, and a lot of people, as a nickname, started calling me Truck. What's up, Truck? And friends still call me that to this day. I've been around a pickup truck in many, many years. Uh, breaking news, we have just heard from Persia, our intrepid producer. She says our first episode was January 9th wow. of 2018. I could just feel it in my bones. Yeah. I knew it was 365 days. Wow. We did it. This is the official anniversary episode. It's, it is. Wow. Uh, let's throw out everything we know and start from the ground up. No, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to, we got a reasonable amount of books to go through today. Yeah. And I'm going to kick things off with Avengers number 12, which was nearly one of my picks. And it is written by Jason Aaron, art by Ed McGinnis and Corey Smith, with inks by Mark Morales, Carl Kiesel, and Scott Hanna, colors by Eric Arciniega, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. This one is so cool because it is it is really getting us introduced to Black Panther's Agents of Wakanda as well as some of the members of just the straight-up Avengers support staff that the chairman, Black Panther, mm-hmm. has put together, which I think is really neat. I will not spoil any more, really, than what you see on the cover. But on the cover, you've got Black Panther and Okoye with Kazar, mm-hmm. with Zabu, which <laughs> makes me really happy, with Janet Van Dyne, the Wasp, with Gorilla Man, Come Ken on. Hale, who is awesome, and he has a great introduction into this issue, and with Odin. And how they all factor into things is really cool. I said I won't spoil things, and I'm not going to fully spoil it, but we meet the um, the Avengers Mountain IT yeah. department yes. in this issue, and it is tremendous. <laughs> it is so good. Wonderful little bit of business there. I'm going to take a little quick diversion. Mm-hmm. I saw some brainy poo on the Twitter the other day say, you know, superhero comics don't have any uh, subplots anymore. And I was like, do you? Do you not read superhero <laughs> comics? Like, I read this issue, and you've got the Avengers dealing with getting ready to talk about War of the Realms. You've got all this stuff about the Agents of Wakanda. You've got the stuff about Namor and him building all his stuff. You, We've got the subplot of Coulson and the Squadron Supreme of America. We've got the Russian squad of superheroes. Like, these are all separate subplots going Mm -hmm. on. We've got the vampire subplot. And all this is, like, masterfully juggled by Jason Aaron, even if they're only touched on little tiny bits in this issue. Again, I don't want to spoil all the characters who show up. Like, I'm just flipping a page and reminding myself of other members of these agents of Wakanda, and it's so good. I wish Avengers came out, like, every other week. Yeah. Like, I want more. Yeah, completely agree. My my first book 
this week is The Black Order number three. And it's written by Derek Landy with pencils by Philip Tan, inks by Get Ready, Mark Deering, LeBeau Underwood, Andy Owens, Victor Olazaba, and Raphael Fonteriz with colors by J. David Ramos, Rochelle Rosenberg, and Israel Silva, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. The number of names on uh, this art team should tell you that there is some really incredibly detailed art going on in this book. And it's true. There is so much here. I mean, Philip Tan is a special artist and I love to see him do this kind of, you know, almost Kirby-esque like monster story here, uh, not just with the members of the Black Order themselves, but what they encounter as we read this story. And we see, you know, this is a story that's named after this group of antagonists. The, the group name is, is the series title. So we're positioned kind of through their eyes. And it's really fun to see how a hero emerges in this story in the same way that a villain would emerge in another story, in a superhero book, in a, in a superhero title, where it's like, oh, oh no, it's this villain has come out. In this, it's the complete opposite. It's, oh, it's this really, you know, amazing hero, Rich Rider here. So it's really cool to, you know, flip everything around and see, you know, the other angle on all these things. And I love Rich Rider. I love seeing him get the spotlight in any book. This issue kind of really stepped it up for me uh, in this series. One of the fun things of, of us doing the show together is that like we come at books from different perspectives, different yeah. tastes, and different just ideas of what we like out of a, a comic book. And for me, The Black Order, which I, I love this book so much, I got hooked into the narration mm -hmm. uh, following Black Dwarf and – his perspective, his thoughts on identity, uh, perception, fascinating stuff. And like, yes, I love Rich Rider, but you came into Rich Rider. Yeah. I came into the narration and like the underlying story that's been going on. Oh, totally. so good. But next up is my first pick of the week. <laughs> it is Captain Marvel, number one, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Carmen Canero, colors by Tamara Bonvalet, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Oh, boy. Look, we know that this is a very special and important time for Carol Danvers and Captain Marvel. So many people are going to be introduced to her in the next two months, and we need a comic book that you can hand someone and say, yeah, you like what you saw? Here you go. And this is that comic book. The title of the story is called Reentry, which I think is really important because Carol's been out of the superhero loop for a little while. I mean, we see we've seen her in the pages of Avengers, we've seen her in other places, but in terms of her own story, she has taken a sabbatical. She's gone home. She's dealt with loss. If you have not read The Life of Captain Marvel, you are missing a, a wonderful story, but She's coming out of all that and getting back into the swing of things, getting back to New York, back to her life, back to superheroing, back to her friendships, her relationships. And that's what we get in this issue. And Kelly nails it so, so well. Uh, I want to point out the first like, page of this issue is a nine-panel grid of different iterations and looks at who Carol is. And she's, you can see that she's been through many changes over the years. You see, you know, her early costume and it says fighter. Her Air Force uniform says soldier. Her is Ms. Marvel in the black costume as hero. Her in the cockpit saying pilot. The big starburst bringing it all together in the middle. Her to the right 
firing a blast and with her mask up as the captain, her standing tall, leading the Avengers, saying leader, her as uh, Warbird, as it says warrior, flaring up, and then her with the sun behind her looking incredible, it says icon. It is so good. It just, to me, like that should be a poster. That should mm-hmm. be something that young fans can get and put up and say, that's Captain Marvel. That's the hero that I love. And you get into that, we get the big boom, boom, boom. One of the things I know you love is seeing those big splash pages of the titles. And then right into the action is Mm -hmm. she's fighting this disgusting giant monster in Manhattan. But she's not alone. She's with Spider-Woman, Jessica Drew, her best friend. So we already know like this is getting her back to reestablishing these relationships, these characters. We get a great banter between them. And then you bring in her teammates, uh, Iron Man, bigger duties. We get her getting resituated, re-entering her life that we need her to be a part of in mm-hmm. this, this time. Yeah. We see uh, a character who she's had some relationships with, or she's had a relationship with, and seeing that possibly rekindle was just one of my favorite moments of the week. Like there's this one page where they get real close to the smoochin, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, so good, so fun. Kelly is a student of the game. She knows her Marvel comics so well. She brings in this turdball misogynist supervillain named <laughs> Nuclear Man who machismo yeah. or machismo, sure. like 70s dirtbag villain <laughs> that is just the worst. And having him play off of Carol and the other Avengers and ends on this last page that is like so gnarly and gives her a new sort of title of revolutionary, mm-hmm. which I'm so jazzed for this book. It hits everything I needed. Totally. Uh, loved that issue so much. Such a great jumping on point. We have another awesome superhero story, though, with Domino, number 10. This is written by Gail Simone, with art by David Baldion, Michael Shelfer, Alberto Albuquerque, and Anthony Piper, with inks by Victor Olazaba, Ed Tadeo, and Michael Shelfer, and... Colors by Carlos Lopez with letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Essentially what's going down right now in Domino is that Shun Kwa, who is a Wakandan kind of warrior, has been, you know, essentially subcontracted by Outlaw Diamondback and Domino to take out Longshot. But wait, because there's a twist in the tale, we're not so sure now that that is where we want to go. That's who we want to kill. That's what we want to do. But what's really fun, of course, with Longshot is we go across dimensions. We go here to Planet Orphan, which is deep in the Mojoverse. And, you know, it's this kind of great, like, space action fantasy tale. Actually has shades of, for me, um, Captain Marvel in an interesting way. Given the dynamic between these characters, something that we talked about on uh, this week's Marvel's Pull List video version is the supporting casts in this week's book. And that is something that has really emerged in Domino over these 10 issues. Really, I, I, I see it as a team book and I love it so much. And that's something that was definitely emerged in Captain Marvel with issue number one this week. But something I'm really feeling here, I'm a big fan of David Baldion, of course. I've said it many, many times. He leads this art team like Domino leads this group of characters. And what I love here is the shifting allegiances, the things that are revealed as we journey through this story, the characters that pop up as we move towards the end of this series uh, and into Hot Shots, 
which I'm super excited about because it exactly takes that. It takes the this kind of team element and leans into it even more, which is, you know, everything I love about this book. Heck yeah. All right, we've got a big new number one up next, and that is Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number one, written by your friend of mine, Woo. Lord Master of Australia, <laughs> Tom Taylor, with art by Juan Cabal, colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Again, another one that was very close to my pick of the week, mm-hmm. but the all-new Wolverine team is back in action. <laughs> so good. I love the squad. Uh, Tom is such a great choice for Spider-Man. You know, he nails that fun, quippy, natural, funny dialogue, but also knows how to turn up the drama and action in an instant. And Juan is just so detailed and draws Spidey very thin, but very strong, Mm -hmm. like a ballerina, right? Right. You know, like a little bit taller maybe, but Mm -hmm. when you you see him do these poses and you, you just feel so cool and the way he frames some of these images of like, slightly uh, translucent so you can see like the movement going mm-hmm, through in, a, mm-hmm. in any given page. It's really, really neat. The focus of this series is in the title. It's about Spidey's corner of the world, his neighborhood. We meet some of his neighbors, get a sense of his ground level world. One of my favorite scenes of the week, though, is this tremendous scene with Peter's roommate, who is Boomerang. We've seen this in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man. They have these interactions. But here, it is taken to another level. <laughs> it is... Oh, it a is new level of bad roommate. Yeah, 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 it really is a new level of bad roommate, <laughs> and it's done to wonderful effect here. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. There's also a backup story. Let's go and break your damn heart. I'm just saying that. What a debut, tremendous. Absolutely. Uh, next up is Iceman number five, written by Cena Grace, with art by Nathan Stockman, colors by Andres Mosa and Federico Blee, letters by VCs Joe Sabino. This is the final issue of these five Iceman stories. And, you know, it really encapsulates everything that Cena's Bobby Drake is, everything that this limited series has been in all the best ways. We get a really fantastic throwdown with Mr. Sinister. And, you know, every time that Cena writes a character that is either evil or, like, has some kind of, like, lingering evilness about them, you can just feel, like, the delicious how much Cena is savoring it and just delivering on every single line. It is so much fun. There's also something really great here, a mutant pride parade going down uh, in New York, which I love. And it you know serves as such a great backdrop for this story because, of course, we have this high-flying, really incredible, super detailed action sequences all the way throughout. But then we also have, of course, what I was alluding to earlier, these beautiful Bobby Drake personal moments, looking at Bobby Drake's life as romance, looking at it as a mutant, as a friend, as a hero. Uh, you know, nobody gets this character like Cena does. And it is a very fascinating final few pages. I won't say much more, uh, but you have to pick up coming late next month, Uncanny X-Men Winter's End number one, which Cena is taking helm of. And I'm hoping to see some of these threads picked up there. Heck yeah. Up next is Man Without Fear. Number two. I don't know why I went British on that one, but Man Without Fear. I like it. It is written by Jed McKay, art by Stefano Landini, colors by Andres Mosa, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Great cover, as this whole series is had by Kyle Hotz and Dan Brown. And Jed writes this brutal story of recovery, self-reflection, guilt, and denied happiness. Matt battling with himself, 
those are like bread and butter daredevil things right there. Yeah. I mean, he's he's hitting it. We get to see Kirsten McDuffie, the awesome attorney that Matt was involved with during the Mark Wade Chris Somni run. But of course, nothing in here is so simple, and his road is much longer than these couple of issues. Next up is Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame Prelude number two. This is written by Will Corona Pilgrim with art by Paco Diaz, colors by Dono Sanchez Almara, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. This issue continues the journey through Marvel Studios Avengers Infinity War. We pick up with one of my favorite moments where Cap shows up at the train station in Scotland, throws down with a couple members of the Black Order. Hey, how you doing, guys? Nice to see you again. Uh, Hello. (laughs) And we go through uh, what I really love about this story, the way that Will tells these stories is it's not just verbatim. Uh, he has these different angles, these different moments that he focuses in on, that he has a different color to, a little more interesting uh, you know, angles to. We go from Cap's appearance through to the convergence of the Guardians of the Galaxy with Spider-Man and Iron Man and Doctor Strange. And uh, you know, I continue to look forward to see how that calamitous mix-up is rendered in comic form. Up next, we have Miles Morales, Spider-Man number two, written by Saladin Ahmed, with art by Javier Garon, David Curiel, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. Back in my Wizard Magazine days, Mm. it was always interesting because issue number ones were always like, yes, everybody's going to check out issue number ones. Mm -hmm. Issue number twos were always tricky because I used to work on the price guide, so you know, number two could be a very rare or special issue because orders come down. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that's not the case here because this book is firing. This yeah. is going. This is real good. And then we have one of my favorite team-ups of the week in here. Miles teaming up with the Rhino what? of all people. Yeah. It's so good. And like Rhino's like, man, I got no warrants out for me right now. Whatever, Squirt. I've got something that you're trying to do and you're like, we're on the same page here, bro. Yeah. I love the characterization of, of Rhino here. Yeah. yeah. And Saladin gets into, yes, some of the darkness and the, the things that have gone wrong for him but still he's not a cackling world dominating yes. villain he's just like hey, he's a guy he's a guy with some problems a complex life yeah, yeah. exactly which i get i uh, do want to give a shout out to marco d'afonso on the great cover it is gorgeous and it's like illustrating the stuff that miles is balancing and how he's balancing his life in a really cool way very very neat very infographic-y uh, in a sense we get to see more of miles school life really one of the ways that javier shines is is like the regular moments, letting him design outfits for students, for just random people, the way he lovingly renders a tiny little donut or Mm -hmm. other details just in a scene. He's so great. Fantastic second issue. And I just want to give a thank you to our advertiser this week, the Marvel MasterCard. Tucker, did you know that you could be earning cashback rewards when you buy comic books such as Miles Morales, Spider-Man number two? How, you may ask? Well, with the Marvel MasterCard. Learn now at marvelmastercard.com slash list. You can earn 3% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit on comic books, movies, restaurants, and more with the Marvel MasterCard and 1% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit on all other purchases. There's no limit on the cashback rewards you can earn. You can enjoy special Marvel benefits like three months of a Marvel Unlimited subscription. You can also choose your superhero from one of six cool card designs too, like Iron Man, Black Panther, Spider-Man, just to name a few. Visit marvelmastercard.com slash list to learn more and apply today. marvelmastercard.com slash L-I-S-T. 
Next up is my first pick of the week. It is The Punisher number six, written by Matthew Rosenberg with art by Simone Kudransky, colors by Antonio Fabella, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. I saw Matt Rosenberg talking about this issue on Twitter this week. He was saying that Simone Kudransky has like just delivered on every single issue so far. He's such a great artist and like perfect tonally for the Punisher. But he he said that he steps it up just another level with this issue. And I completely agree. It's so beautiful. And I look in talking about Simone, I cannot not talk about Antonio Fabello, whose colors add so much. They add so much to this classic, perfect Punisher dark vibe throughout this. This is the start of a new arc. This is part one of War in Begalia. And essentially, look, Frank has been taken captive by Baron Zemo. Things ain't good. He is getting just the snot beat out of him, like in dark rooms and stuff. Uh, it's a brutal torture scene. Yeah, it's uh, like, really brutal. They're messed up. Begalia, if you don't know, is this sort of nation state that is mostly supervillains, but just bad people. And it is a place where Hydra is like in control. Yeah. And like they're just like, hey, man, we're, we're a regular nation. Yeah. Hang out with us. But we see uh, Frank in jail here. Normally something that, you know, he can hold his own in these places, but it's really interesting because we actually do quite a big time leap here. It's really interesting to see, like, Frank go into his own mind, just essentially, like, just get quiet, summon his own inner strength and anger, and, like, you know that's going to come out the other side, uh, and it's not going to be good for anybody, much less these Hydra creeps who are hanging around in this prison over here in Begalia. But anyway... A uh, really cool start to a new arc. Yeah, I, I loved this issue. Yeah. Almost one of my picks. I'm glad you picked it. It has one of the coolest panels of the week. Frank is being held in a room. And he's strapped down to a chair. Uh, it's dark. There's one light above him. And the panel is the door. It's like an isometric view from kind of above. And Zemo walks in. Mm-hmm. And so you get the light from above on Frank and the light from the source behind Zemo. And the way it's done with the shadows and everything, it creates the Punisher skull in light and shadow on the ground. And it's just so cool, so neat. I love that. If you uh, are excited about this, if you want more, Matthew Rosenberg and I, the writer of this issue, sit down to talk about the Punisher on next week's episode of This Week in Marvel. That'll be episode 377. We had a good time. We talked about this. We talked about Frank in prison, his favorite Frank in prison story. It's great. It's really, really good comics. Best dude around. Oh, I, hey, this reminds me. What? This is the perfect opportunity to talk about it. Go to marvel.com right now and read an oral history of Marvel Knights in honor of uh, the 20th anniversary of Marvel Knights, in honor of Marvel Knights 20th, the limited series. I have sat down and got on the phone with a ton of different creators, everyone who's around to make Marvel Knights come to be in the first place and back in the late 90s. For everyone from Joe Quesada, Jimmy Palmiotti, Kevin Smith, Priest, uh, all the way through to the creative teams on the new Marvel Knights 20th, including Matt Rosenberg, Donny Cates, and everybody. It was a mammoth to put together. Uh, I've been on it for like three months or something, but it is a passion project that I've loved putting together because I love those characters. I love Marvel Knights. 
So it's really cool uh, now that it's finally out there. So please go check it out. Yeah, I I got to read it before the holidays mm-hmm. in, a, in a version. It was terrific. You did a great job. Thank I'm you. very proud of you. I Thanks. thought you, you nailed it. Thanks. Uh, all right. Up next is my second pick of the week with Spider-Gwen Ghost Spider number four. Uh, this is my favorite issue of the series so far. It is written by Shauna McGuire, art by Rosie Campy and Takeshi Miyazawa. Colors by Ian Herring, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, great cover by Bengal. But, you know, this one, Shauna, she's so good at Gwen Spidering. She does that stuff really well, but she destroys it with all the dialogue. It destroys it in the best way. Mm-hmm. She, like, crushes it with all the dialogue and interactions and the emotional bits. This reminds me of one of my favorite X-Men issues, the epilogue to Executioner's Song, Uncanny X-Men number 297. This issue is the, and that issue, the aftermath of a big event. And what happens? Like, when everything is almost destroyed, but you eke out a win, where do you go from there? What's the next day like? Mm-hmm. And I think that's such an interesting story. Yeah. In, the, in, the, in the X-Men story, it's like Beast and Iceman are like, rebuilding the bar that got blown up. You've got Professor Xavier and Jubilee having all these moments. It's like all kinds of really interesting stuff. And here it opens with Gwen in the warehouse just playing drums, crying her eyes out. She's dealing with the grief and the PTSD from a war mm-hmm. and from seeing friends of hers die. You know, Spider-UK, Spider-Man Noir. She watched them die. She's gone to battle with these people. She's dealt with them like – and she's known loss, you know, like she's running all this through in her head and trying to figure out what to do and how to deal with it, which I think is such a – it's a tough thing and it's handled so, so well here. Uh, and, and she doesn't do it alone, which I think is important. Even though she feels like she's alone, she has the other spiders here and there's this wonderful scene with them on Loom World saying goodbye to another one of their friends. And like we get this moment of grief – and figuring things out, which I think is so important for these heroes. We don't get, they don't get to see that. It's usually like one thing blew up over there and another thing blew up over there. And, ah, everything's mm-hmm. yelling around. Uh, they need time to bury their dead to reflect on things. Uh, you know, it's, her pain is so palatable here. Uh, tremendous. Next issue, we're going to get into Gwen's life forward, which I think is something I can't wait for. But I will say that this issue is actually a little bit extra special for me. Shannon and I have become friends over the last few months. She's been really amazing and helpful for me in dealing with losing Lola, my cat I was very, very close with. And Shannon had gone through some similar things. And in this issue, Shannon had taken some photos of my Lola, of her Alice, and given it to Rosie Campy, the, the artist. And Rosie actually drew our cats into a scene here with Black Cat. And it, it destroyed me. Yeah. It, like I read it and I was... Oh man, it was beautiful. It was, it's a gift, and I'm thankful, but it hurts. And yeah. so this issue, I like a little bit extra special for me. Totally. Uh, next up this week is Star Wars number fifty nine. It's written by Kieran Gillen with art by Angel Nzueta, colors by Guru EFX, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is part four of the Escape. Tony Stark. Iron Man, The Escape. No, just kidding. That's a different series with a different uh, story arc called The Escape. But um, something really interesting, even in Star Wars comics, even in in these 59 issues of Star Wars, uh, has been happening over the past few issues as uh, the crew is kind of on this, like, really nice, peaceful planet 
for the last few issues. And, you know, they've kind of taken a moment to breathe and take stock of where they are. Things have been revealed. They, you know, things aren't as calm and nice as they might have seemed. But it's really cool because we are now starting to get the Falcon's engines running again, so to speak, as the action revs up back towards, uh, you know, the larger goals of the rebellion and things like that. We are led towards that. By Leia, there's also a really cool uh, thing that goes down, uh, specifically if you're a lover of Star Wars comics. There is a, I won't say whether it's a person or a group or a thing or whatever that returns and uh, it is good and bad in all the best ways. I love it so much. It's something that uh, I'm a big fan of. I also want to give a shout out to the cover artist of this issue, which is uh, Jamal Campbell, uh, like a really cool gunslinger, classic Han Solo looking cover, which is always something that I really love. But yeah. Uh, All right. Up next is another Star Wars book. It's Star Wars Age of Republic, Django Fett, number one, as a story called Training. It is written by just the queen of Star Wars right now, the lord and master of the Wars of Stars, (laughs) Jody Hauser. Art by Luke Ross, who's also been doing a lot of work. Colors by Yava Tartaglia. Letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Great cover. I know you're a big fan. Paolo Rivera. Come on. Doing wonderful work. And I think this is my favorite of the new Star Wars one-shots. I'm not even a huge Fett fan. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, he's cool, you know, whatever. Uh, but it's a story as much about Boba Fett as Django. Django? Mm-hmm. Django. Yeah, Django. Django. Sure. I, you know, there are different planets, different accents. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I come from Panagos planet. Yeah. Uh, but it's Django and Bubba go on a job with three other bounty hunters, which leads to surprises and shenanigans. And man, Luke, he's so dang good. He draws the realistic stuff so well, but with that extra bit of grit and texture. And there's this fantastic splash page of Django in midair. is just super badass. Some shots of young Boba that make him look cool and scary, especially for a young kid. He's like, whoa, very mm-hmm. intimidating, even at that age. Again, Jody, Lord of the Star Wars, the end. <laughs> Give her all the Star Wars. Next up this week is Thor number nine. It's written by Jason Aaron with art by Mike Del Mundo and letters in production by VCs Joe Sabino. The Woman with the Vibranium Gun is the name of the issue. It's really interesting to read this. If you're reading Avengers, or if you're not, of course, these things uh, fit in perfectly both either way. What's going on in Avengers, of course, we've spoken about how Black Panther is recruiting the agents of Wakanda. That is spilling over here into Thor. We see Roz Solomon, former agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay, Ryan. Yes. Tell me, can you tell me about Roz? Yes, she um, uh, was a S.H.I.E.L.D. member, environmentalist. She got involved with Thor romantically, but also professionally, dealing with the people of Broxton, Oklahoma, where Mm. uh, Asgard was for a little while. She's super cool with the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D. She sort of didn't have a place. She was working with Asgardia, with Freya a little bit. Jason has used her and built her up a bunch. She drove a flying car and was awesome (laughs) and would like fought against Roxxon and, uh, you know, they're basically earth-destroying, right. money-hungry ways. Right. Thank you for filling me in on a little bit of the backstory there with Roz because that's super fascinating. And, I mean, I, you know, clearly a lot of that bleeds into this story, but uh, specifically the Roxxon stuff, which is really, really interesting to see Jason uh, take on in a really cool way. I want him to touch every single corner of the Marvel Universe. So as he continues with Thor and Avengers and everything else. Uh, War I, of the Realms is, is coming. That's right. 
you know, you can't read this and not love Roz at the end of these 20 pages. She is jumping around to a bunch of different places alongside Okoye, encountering some fascinating things. I don't want to say too much, but I'll just say that Mike Del Mundo really gets to flex his muscles uh, in a gorgeous way. There's Mike Del Mundo is like the Hulk. There's nothing he can do but flex his muscles. Yeah, yeah. He moves and the muscles just like break glass because they're so strong. Yeah. He I, is the strongest of all. I mean, completely. I love this series so much because of how it lends itself to such a painterly style, how the tone fits in so beautifully with an artist that does everything themselves from the pencils through to the inks and colors and everything like that. We've seen Christian Ward do a couple of issues of Thor, uh, and he's known for that, being one of the best. And so is Mike DeMundo, for sure, without a doubt. And really, I don't know. I just like, it just kind of like makes me want to like a Roz limited series or something like that. Yeah. Of course, it makes you know perfect sense that uh, Jason knows this character so well because you can feel that and everything. You can feel the kind of the dirt underneath her fingernails. You know that she's so uh, experienced in, in this character and this voice is lived in and so real. Great uh, kind of focus and, and lead for this issue. Yeah, I would love a Roz book. I would also love an Agents of Wakanda book. Oh, yeah. I think that would be tremendous. Uh, what is also tremendous is Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number 40. Like Thor, this continues to be one of my favorite books going right now. And this is the end of a big squirrel story. And like so many Squirrel Girl issues, it is full of hope and joy and fun and hugs and solving problems in ways that surprise and delight. And it is written by Mr. Ryan North, art by Derek Charm, colors by Rico Renzi, letters by Travis Lanham. It's uh, Derek really gets to go to town here with this just wonderful old school style sci-fi magazine pulp cover that's a full page splash that's just the neatest it's really really cool suspense stories from space this wonderful bit here we're learning about the origin of this scroll and then you you know you flip and two pages later you got this beautiful big double page splash of the classic Kree scroll war big old school avengers versus scrolls mayhem it looks so gorgeous uh we also get an appearance from one of the characters from the howard the duck series by chip starsky and joe Kinonis, which was a delight uh and i really hope that the scroll character introduced in this story comes back i would love to see her be part of doreen's crew it's you know talked about earlier i'm a big dragon ball fan i've got my wife in a dragon ball and like <laughs> the thing i love about dragon ball stories is they fight somebody and then they become friends with them right and like they build out these crew of former enemies who are now friends and 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 like teammates in some way, shape, or form. And I, that's what I want Squirrel Girl to do, to just yeah. like grow her crew so large of all the people she's battled with. She did it with Craven. She, right. You know, she can, uh, She did it with Brain Drain. Like mm. more, 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 more. <laughs> uh, next up is my second pick of the week. It is Uncanny X-Men number nine, which is written by Matthew Rosenberg, Kelly Thompson, and Ed Brisson with art by Yildirai Sinar. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This this uh, this subplot fellow. I mean, he, he, pick up a single issue, pal of Uncanny X Men. <laughs> um, you know, just turn to the like the credits page alone and read the kind of recap paragraph. Tell me that there aren't subplots in this. There's so many different threads going on here. It is really hard to quantify. It's really hard to recap in a short segment. But I will just say that what you need to know now is X-Man has taken control of Legion's body. That ain't good. 
And uh, it's really, really cool, though, because I just love the different ways that Ed, Kelly, and Matt are kind of positioning the X-Men. Not tonally or anything that. I just mean literally, like, the mutants that they have brought to the fore, the mutants that are forced just by circumstance or by the way the battle has gone to come into their own. They can't just kind of you know, certain characters that, you know, have to be leaders, uh, you know, kind of out of nowhere in really unexpected ways. And um, when I turned the page to this, this double page splash with Gene, who is summoning all the X-Men, this just amazing vintage X-Men splash with so many characters, it was like total goosebumps moment. As soon as I turned the page and saw that, I was like, boom, pick of the week. This is it. And Again, the threads continue to unwind and unravel. I love what's going on with Apocalypse in this story so much. Really, really fascinating reworking and kind of re-engineering of of his wiring in a really interesting way that is totally true to him as a character, but also uh, brings out different motivations and things like that. It's really, really interesting. And we are now motoring towards issue number 10, the the end of of this 10-issue Welcome back, Uncanny X-Men story, before Matt Rosenberg takes on uh, the story himself for a little bit. Heck yeah. Yeah. Uh, My last book to talk about this week is Web of Venom Unleashed, number one. And let's give it up for writer Ryan Stegman. Yay. Uh, With pencils by Kyle Hotz and Juan Gideon. With inks by Mark Deering, Scott Hanna, Live Say, Roberto Poggi, Victor Olazaba, and Juan Gideon. Colors by Dan Brown, Matt Yaki, Andrew Crossley, and Carlos Cabrera. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. It's cool. We talked to Ryan, I don't know, a month or two ago about this issue, you know, him really getting to write a story. And it's really great. It's really creepy. It focuses on the Venom dog, the version of Venom who doesn't communicate the way that the symbiote had previously, but it's still sentient, mm-hmm. still there. It's just Eddie doesn't have the same way to, to talk to it. But we do know it's got its own motivations. It's trying to do some stuff like an 80s cartoon almost, <laughs> uh, like gorier and creepier. Kyle Hutz handles the art on the main story, and he has this old-school horror style, a little like Mike Plug. He has this cool use of shadows and odd shapes in the, the faces and the bodies, and it just works so, so well. We get to see the the doggo go and track down some things that are – it's all tied and connected to Carnage. Something big is happening with Carnage, with the symbiotes, with Null. It's it's all coming together. feels like big things are ahead. Totally. I just want to say, what a big task for the artists on that book. Like coming in, telling a story adjacent to like one of the biggest books of 2018 – for the artist of that book, like <laughs> parallel to Ryan segment, the guy who brings that to life art-wise, doing it, crushed it, nailed it out of the park. So good. Uh, the last book this week is X-23, number eight. It's written by Mariko Tamaki with pencils by Diego Lotegui, inks by Walden Wong, and colors by Chris and with letters by VCs Corey Pettit. There's a really interesting question being asked in part two here of X-Assassin, that's the name of the story arc, because X-23 as a series is kind of built around the dynamic between Laura and Gabby. But the question posed here is like, what if there was another sibling? What if there was another clone? What if there was someone else that shares so much in common with them? We don't know the answer to that. We don't know if, if it's a yes or a no, but they're unraveling that mystery alongside Hank McCoy, which I love so much. He has a very nice banana 
tux here. Uh, is, that with, what, is that what you call that? Fashion report from Tux. Banana Tux uh, helicopter pilot. Come on. Uh, that's a subplot all on its own. <laughs> um, also to see Gabby being just unstoppably Gabby and then to see the threads of what this could be and then end up seeing what this is. Uh, who knows? Uh, they have the body of the ex-assassin there. They don't know who it is. They know that they share certain things in common. They know that there are uh, certain other things that Hank has unraveled scientifically, things that they share, things that they don't share. Really, really interesting stuff and a very interesting question being posed here. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the answers to that is. There feels like there could be a million different answers, uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the next one. So many questions, so many answers. Yes. Uh, but – the question you may be posing is, I have $2. What could I do with these $2? Could hmm. I buy comics? And I would say yes, because we have two true believers, two true believers, <laughs> two true believers issues out this week. Oh, I'm doing uh, Bill Murray and Caddyshack, apparently. Uh, we have two true believers issues out this week, Conan, Swords in the Night, and Conan the Devil, God of Baal Sagoth. Uh, each one of those will run you $1 and just give you some new Conan books to enjoy, or yeah. old Conan books, I guess. Yeah. Collections on sale this week include Astonishing X-Men by Matt Rosenberg, Until Our Hearts Stop, Marvel Superhero Adventures, Captain Marvel, Marvel Team-Up Masterworks Volume 4 in hardcover, Ms. Marvel Epic Collection, This Woman, This Warrior, Star Wars Dr. Aphra, Volume 4, The Catastrophe Con, Wolverine, Old Man Logan, Volume 10, The End of the World, and X-23, Volume 1, Family Album. Great stuff in there. Uh, stuff hitting the Marvel app this week, the books that we talked about. There are some old classics in there as well, some uh, cool digital collections. I would highly suggest, as I always do, the Marvel Adventures collections. Those are hitting the Marvel app this week for the first time. And then on Marvel Unlimited, it's a good week. Yeah, if you read, Yeah, if you read on Marvel Unlimited, you're getting Amazing Spider-Man 801. You're also getting Captain America number one, Ta-Nehisi Coates and Lanil Yu, Cosmic Ghost Rider number one, Death of Inhumans number one. There's a Marvel Rising book, which, again, really, really great series. Marvel Rising is terrific. I think you definitely uh, owe it to yourself to check that out. Spidey School's Out, which was a digital release. You can check that out. There's Star Wars number 50 and plenty more. We'll have the full list for you on themarvel.com where you can also read the oral history of Marvel Knights. Yeah. yeah make sure we link that in the news story. We'll do. Cool. That's it. We did it. Yeah, we'll, we'll be recording and at some point I'll be on a cruise and there'll be all kinds of stories for us to tell next time we're wow. in the room together. Cruise far away from trucks. I'm Ryan. <laughs> and I'm Tucker. And this is Marvel. <laughs> Your universe.